This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. As expected, America's Federal Reserve raised its benchmark interest rate by three-quarters of a percentage point, the fourth consecutive jumbo increase. That brings the federal funds rate to a range of 3.75 to 4.0 percent, its highest since 2008, and comes amid the central bank's battle against inflation, which hit 8.2 percent in September. Investors will scrutinize remarks from Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, on Wednesday for signs of whether the pace of tightening will ease next month. Russia said that it would rejoin a deal allowing exports of grain to leave Ukrainian ports on the Black Sea. TASS, the Russian state media agency, reported that the government had received written guarantees that Ukraine would not use the trade corridors to launch military attacks. The Kremlin had suspended the agreement on Saturday. Ethiopia's government and leaders from Tigray, its rebellious northern region, agreed to an immediate ceasefire in peace talks brokered by the African Union. Representatives from Tigray said they had made unspecified concessions. A previous truce struck in March lasted five months. Hundreds of thousands are thought to have died in the civil war, which began in November 2020. America's two largest pharmacies tentatively agreed to pay more than $10 billion to settle claims brought by state, local, and tribal governments, accusing the retailers of inappropriately filing opioid prescriptions. CVS and Walgreens did not omit wrongdoing. Prescription opioids alone caused more than 250,000 overdose deaths in America between 1999 and 2020. Benjamin Netanyahu said his party was on the brink of a very big victory in Israel's general election. With roughly 85% of the votes counted, the former prime minister's right-wing bloc looks set to form a majority government, toppling the coalition led by Yair Lapid. Mr. Netanyahu was forced from office in 2021 amid accusations of corruption. Maersk warned that container demand was weakening as concerns about recession unsettle global trade. The Danish shipping group recorded unadjusted underlying earnings of $10.9 billion in the third quarter, up from $6.9 billion in the same period last year. But the war in Ukraine and Europe's energy crisis have darkened the firm's outlook, just as a pandemic-related boom in freight rates subsides. America will offer $13 billion in federal funding to help low-income households cope with soaring energy costs this winter. Average household heating bills could be up to 28% more expensive than last winter, according to official estimates. The intervention accompanies several similar measures, such as the Inflation Reduction Act, which will distribute $9 billion between 1.6 million households to help tackle bills. And fact of the day, 1.6 million. The number of people who died from tuberculosis in 2021, a rise of 14% since 2019.
And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Scholl's China Strategy On Thursday, Germany's Chancellor will visit Beijing. China is Germany's largest trading partner, and Olaf Scholz is the first Western leader to visit the Chinese capital since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. The symbolism is huge, but not as straightforward as it seems. After he was elected in 2021, Mr. Scholz committed in his coalition agreement to recalibrating Germany's close economic ties with China by better defending German interests and monitoring China's human rights record. Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the resulting energy crisis highlighted the dangers of economic dependence on an autocracy. Yet China matters much more than Russia to German business. Mr. Scholz is traveling with a dozen chief executives of German blue-chip companies who want to produce more in China or buy more critical minerals to make cars. As he recently agreed to a controversial sale of a stake in a container terminal in Hamburg to a Chinese state-run shipping company. Less an assertive new Scholz strategy, this signals a continuation of the soft stance on China of Angela Merkel, his predecessor. Donald Trump in Iowa Historically, Iowa was one of America's swing states, but these days it is reliably red. Nevertheless, Donald Trump, a former president, will be in Sioux City on Thursday, hosting a rally with Chuck Grassley, the state's 89-year-old Republican senator, and Kim Reynolds, the Republican governor, ahead of the midterms on November 8. Although Mr. Grassley is facing a tighter race than at any point in his 42 years in the Senate, few truly believe his Democratic opponent, Mike Franken, has much of a chance. Miss Reynolds is also solidly ahead. So Mr. Trump, who rarely does anything that he does not think will benefit him, may have another reason for visiting the Hawkeye State. Asked in October about running for president, Mr. Trump said he will probably have to do it again. Iowa votes for its preferred presidential candidates before any other state. In 2016, Mr. Trump came second in a crowded field, propelling him up the GOP ticket. Could he be laying the groundwork for 2024? The Bank of England's Interest Rate Decision Investors expect Britain's monetary policymakers to lift the official interest rate by 0.75 percentage points on Thursday to 3%. That would be the sharpest increase in over three decades and will tug mortgage rates higher and general demand lower. To justify the move, policymakers will point to the risk that uncomfortably high annual inflation in September of 10.1% becomes entrenched. The Bank of England's choice will not be easy. One Prime Minister, Liz Truss, spooked markets with promises of tax cuts. Now a new one, Rishi Sunak, is planning the opposite. Details of those plans are due on November 17th, casting a fog over the fiscal outlook. It may take longer to find out what help households will get with energy bills beyond April. It is unclear whether inflation associated with higher energy prices will prove persistent 
or whether higher costs will sap demand and lower prices. Amid that uncertainty, taming inflation without kicking the economy too hard will prove exceptionally tricky. Lula's Choice for Petrobras Brazil's state-run oil giant, Petrobras, will publish its earnings for the third quarter on Thursday. Expect robust cash flow and payouts to investors. Nevertheless, the current quarter will be the last for Caio Mario Paes de Andrade, chief executive since June. Brazil's largest company has been a political instrument since its foundation in the 1950s. Jair Bolsonaro, who lost the presidential election on October 30th, fired three Petrobras bosses during his four-year tenure. Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, who will take office in January, will name his new team soon, including a new boss for Petrobras. Lula's relationship with Petrobras will be closely watched for repeats of mistakes made in his previous terms, between 2003 and 2010. In 2014, Petrobras was found to be at the heart of a corruption scheme, uncovered during the Lava Jato car wash investigation. Eight Petrobras directors were convicted. Lula's involvement earned him a 12-year sentence of which he spent a year and a half in jail, although his convictions were later annulled. He must make his appointment carefully. David Hockney continues to bloom. On his first day at the Royal College of Art in London in 1959, David Hockney drew a skeleton. His draftsmanship so impressed another student the American painter R.B. Kittage, that he offered Mr. Hockney five pounds, then fourteen dollars for it. Some sixty years on, Mr. Hockney's talent is undimmed, though he now uses an iPad instead of pencil and paper. The artist who made California's swimming pools famous, one of his pool pictures sold for ninety million dollars in 2018, making it the most expensive painting ever sold at auction by a living artist, now lives in France, where he mostly paints nature. Four concurrent exhibitions of his work, entitled Twenty Flowers and Some Bigger Pictures, open this month in Chicago, London, Los Angeles, and Paris, with a fifth joining later in New York. Each show contains nearly 30 iPad works, both individual digital paintings and composite pictures with multiple screens that explore hillsides, flowers, and shadows. The artist calls them new-looking, fresh pictures of a very beautiful world. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. Which film noir released in 1941 and starring Humphrey Bogart was based on a novel by Dashiell Hammett? Wednesday. 
Which character partnered Ilya Kuryakin in the television series The Man from Uncle? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Henri Matisse, who died on this day in 1954. I don't paint things. I only paint the differences between things. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.